Hi, this is Sarah McCauley from UC Hockey Club and the Irish Women's Hockey Team, and you're listening to Half Board Press Podcast. Hi, I'm Simon Faulkner from East Grinstead Hockey Club and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. Hi, my name's Sarah Jameson. I'm a Scotland hockey player and I play for Watsonians Hockey Club. This is the Half Court Press Podcast. Hi, this is Greg McKenzie of Inverleaf and Scotland Senior Indoor Team and you're listening to the Half Court Press with Neil McLeod. Three Games of Hockey is the 16th season of the Half Court Press Podcast. In this series... Taylor McLeod talks to a variety of hockey players about three matches that have been particularly important to them in their lives and careers. Hi, it's Ross Stott here from East Grinstead and ex-Scotland player. You are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. And welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. You join us with our new series, Three Games of Hockey. Our guest today is... Another Scottish player on the series, joining one of the great Celtic players who never took up Shinty, <laughs> Ross Stott of East Grinstead and formerly the Scottish men's national team. Hey, Ross. How you doing? How's life? It's been a few weeks since you were last on, <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah no, it's all good. All good. Just... Um... Out into indoor at the moment, which is nice, not being outside in the cold. But yeah, no, okay, just chilling out here with um, a Guinness standard Friday night. Yeah. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty, I should probably mention that this is Friday, 21st of January. Ross is playing for East Winstead in the English Super Sixes indoor finals for East Winstead in nine days. Any predictions, Ross? <laughs> um, I mean I would like to say we'll win it I mean there's no point in going playing there if you're not going to try and win but semi-final will be a tough game against Subbrighton I think they'll probably be the favourites to win it all but I mean we've got quite a good history of indoor hockey so we'll see what happens but yeah it'd be nice to get back to the final at least after missing out <laughs> two years ago which was uh, I think it was the first time in 10 years or so we've not been in the final. So yeah, look like, looking forward to trying to get back to winning ways. But whoever we play, it'll be tough. But yeah, going out there to win. Now, it never happened in... Is this the first indoor back since 2020? Yeah, so this is the first one in two years, I think it is, yeah. Because of COVID reasons? Yeah, because I think they were close to doing it last season but then I think maybe two or three weeks before the actual season started it got um called off for COVID. So yeah. So yeah it's been a bit interesting. A lot of uh, <laughs> a few games to get back into it. But yeah, I love it. Love being back in the indoor. Well good luck. Of course this episode will go out after the finals are played. So if you want to celebrate with Ross afterwards or Commiserate with him, depending on how it goes. <laughs> we can check out his, his predictions yeah. when, when this is released. Ross, you have been on a couple of times before on this show. For those who haven't listened back to Hockey Player Profiles and Hockey Dream Team, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? So, yeah, so, well, so Ross played down in East Grinstead now. I have done four, I think this is my 10th season. 
used to play for Scotland, retired four or five years ago now, I think it is. Been to two Commonwealth Games, numerous Europeans, <laughs> played for three different Scottish teams. So started off at Dundee Wanderers, went to Kelburne, then across the divide and went to Grove Me and South, then moved on south. So yeah, so just loving life at the moment at COVID, as everyone is. But yeah, working away, training, playing when I can, looking after my daughter. So yeah, a lot has changed. You are, of course, one of the famous hockey sons from the great Tayside town of Dundee. Yeah, yeah. There's been a few of us kicking about from Dundee, but yeah. Does promote promote lots of good hockey players, Dundee Wanderers, don't they? Yeah, over the years, yeah, there've been quite a few. I say I've not been back in Scotland for ten years or so, so I'm not sure what's coming through the ranks or how they're doing that. But yeah, I think late nineties, early two thousands, and that there's always been Dundee-born players in the Scotland setup, men and women. And if, there's a few of them that've made the journey down south and that. So yeah, a hotbed of hockey Dundee was, surprisingly. I'm not so sure about the men's team, but now off the top of my head, the women's team, Becky Ward, the co-captain, is still there. Emily Dark, Charlotte Watson, they've both moved on, but I think they both hail from Dundee, don't they? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Charlotte Watson is one of the, is one of the exciting attacking players in the centralised programme, isn't she? Yeah, I, I think um, she's in there. I think maybe Emily Dark is in the development stuff, potentially. Yeah, yeah, Emily Dark's a great British elite development programme still. Yeah, um, we just don't really follow any of the, the GB stuff that closely now. As a previous episode, probably gave it away, but yeah. <laughs> so, we monitor of your achievements again. You've been quite successful in indoor hockey as well as well as outdoor, and you've had some success playing internationally as well, haven't you? Yeah, so I got um, I think it's like 123 caps for Scotland, four Europeans. Uh, I think I finished third, three of them, which is also not great. Two Commonwealth Games, which is also great. I went to Glasgow and Delhi, which were Two unbelievable experiences. Um, <laughs> went to the Youth Olympics for Great Britain under 21s back in 2009. Won bronze there. Club-wise, um, indoor, I, mean, I think I've won the English Championship eight times, I think it is now. Yeah, eight times. I've won, I think I've won everything in Scotland. Indoor and outdoor age group wise, I think it's like five league titles and six Scottish Cups and stuff like that. So, yeah, quite a, I'd say it's quite a successful domestic career so far. Not over yet, but yeah. Also, we'd like to have done the more international stuff, like playing the A division, a World Cup, and we'd like to have a fair chance at the GB stuff, but unfortunately, that never all really planned out the way I thought I would, but no regrets. The Commonwealth Games are coming up in Birmingham this year, so only a short trip for the, for the Scots down the road to the English Midlands. 
you think they can do well, the uh, the Scottish men's and women's teams? Um, yeah, I mean, the Commonwealth Games is always, I think there's always, what, three or three, four teams that are above everyone else and everyone else can, like, fights for the last remaining spots. But I think both the men and women have progressed in the last three or four years quite well. So I would say they probably fancy their chances of doing well, male or wise. Probably not, but I can see them finishing above the ranking, both of them, which would be nice. Might try to get them to watch it, but we'll see. The Scottish women's team have some Olympic bling bling in their squad. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's true, actually. I forgot about that. <laughs> you'd add the Commonwealth to that, it would be nice. But like I say, I think it would be difficult for Scotland, men and women, to win a medal at the Commonwealth Games, if I'm brutally honest. I think like the top four is probably always going to be the same. I mean, no one's been Australia, let's be honest. <laughs> No one has, <laughs> in the men's side anyway. The Aussies are world class. They are one of my favourite teams to watch. The men's team, yeah, because fast, direct, skillful, um, yeah, brutal at times as well. Yeah, they they do what it takes to win, and they've always seemed to have youngsters coming through. Like you get a golden generation, then you think that's the end of it, but. There's just a wave of like five, six world-class players that come out of nowhere for them and just continue going. The English will fancy themselves. They tend to be up there, especially with a professional centralised programme. The Indians aren't going, apparently. I reckon they might change their minds. I oh, think it's a political stunt myself. But as it stands, there is a gaping hole in both the men's and women's teams, Indian teams who are quite handy. Yeah, so, nah, India will be there. They'll be there. I think they'll change their mind yet again and they'll they'll turn up. But I mean, it's, it's a good chance for them to win medals as well, isn't it? So they're not going to turn that opportunity down. What's it like as a player to play in the coming games? You go into a tournament, a multi-sports tournament, at a very high level. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you're saying that you weren't expecting to medal, but... You're waiting to be competitive. What's it like to play in? Yeah, I mean, like you've got to be realistic about these things. That we we never went there expecting to medal. When like I was there, I was just we went there to kind of compete and like show everyone what we we can do and finish above our ranking, which I think we did twice when I was there. But it's just I thought it's really hard to describe. It's like it's a it's a completely different level. Like, it's one of these things you have to experience if you get a chance to play in it. To play in wards is quite difficult. But for us, well, for when I was there, I was just wanted to kind of compete and show mainly to myself that I can compete against these players and at this level, which I feel like I did occasionally. Also, there's some teams and players that you get nowhere near. But... Um, yeah, it's just it's just an amazing experience, especially for Scotland, because you don't get to play many international tournaments, especially like Commonwealth Games is probably like the biggest one we can play in. It's just like a, a great honour really to do, in, and it's fucking hard work when you're there. <laughs> Tell you that, but yeah, that's no, good. It's definitely one of the best experiences I've had. 
especially in Glasgow as well, home game. Yeah, Glasgow was that was like awesome. As I said before, it's like we don't often get to play a big tournament in your backyard, and just having that support from like the home crowds kind of like gave you that extra bit of energy. And like there's a couple of games times we need it, and it, it definitely does help. But yeah, to play a home corner of games is just something that not many people get to do. So yeah, that was very special. How is your singing voice? How is your uh, flower of Scotland? Do you belt it out, or are you more of a Gary <laughs> Neville? I never used to sing it. Like when I was younger, under 16, 18s, and 21s, never sang it. Never sung it when I got into the senior stuff here. Honestly, it was doing it in my head, but it wasn't until... I actually think it was after Delhi, the Colin of Games, I started singing. But no, I've not got a great singing voice, so it's like it's out there so people can hear, but not too loud. Not like a Kenny Bain who he, he goes for it. Yep. He, he goes for it, but yeah. It does make a difference. I felt a difference. I say when I never used to sing it, not because I didn't want it, it just that was just how I was. I was more focused on the game. But singing it, it does give you that extra little bit of passion and gets you up for a bit more, I would say. So it's probably something that I wish I'd done throughout my international career, to be honest. Who's the better singer, Ross Dott or Niall Stott? <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think either of us. <laughs> I would say I'm probably more enthusiastic with the singing than he is, but yeah, probably, probably none of. No one wants to hear us sing. You're not getting onto X Factor anytime soon together. Wow. Well, we'll see what happens in a few years' time when I stop playing. I might need the money, so yeah. Well, a few more Guinnesses. I might sing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> some East Grinstead fan songs and some terrorist songs on the go I don't know those ones they <laughs> get in trouble The Half Court Press is now on Patreon Patreon is a well known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. So, getting into the nitty-gritty of the episodes. In this series, we shall be discussing three games of hockey which are special to the guests on the show. For Ross Dott, we are talking about his favourite game of hockey as a club player, as a domestic player. His favourite game of hockey as an international player. And finally his favourite game of hockey as a hockey fan. So, game one. Ross, your favourite game of hockey as a club player? 
Oh, this was this was tough. It still is. I've still got I've got three games in my head right now, trying to pick from. And it's it's quite nice because it's one from East Grinstead, one from Kelburn, and one from Minasil. So yeah, it is a tough one. Like I think just because of the level it was. I'm going to have to go for the game for Kelburn against Uatse Hamburg in the, the first year of the EHL. Um, That's the European Hockey League, which is the hockey equivalent of the Champions League in football, the European Cup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it was the first year it got changed to that format, or second year, I can't quite remember. It was a long time ago. I think it was um, the knockout stages, so it was like a one-off game. Uh, where were we? I think we were in Polo in Spain. Lovely place to be. Nice, good night out there. So yeah, we were playing Uatse, who uh, I think they were the German champions or runners-up. At this time, I didn't have a clue who Uatse were or anything, because it was the first time I've played in like a major European club tournament. But uh, looking back, they had um, <laughs> some big names playing for them. They had uh, Mo Fuster was playing, Florian Fix was playing, Marco Merkel was playing, Carlos Navarro. Like, looking back, they had a very, very good team of big names. So, yeah, this was for Kelburn. We, I think we had like 12 Scotland internationals playing for us. We went 3 0 down at half time. Then it was kind of like, we've, we've got nothing to lose now. Let's just go out there and see what we can do then we got I think we got a goal back I think it was one of the Aussie guys we had brought in so we got that back no sorry no it was Gaza Hall Gareth Hall scored it so Gareth Hall scored it. I think it was like nice build up down the right hand side so we got back to 3-1 and we kind of thought oh actually for a chance here then we got um, a penalty flick that Mark Ralph took to go to 3 2. Then I think at this point we were actually controlling the game, surprisingly, considering who they had and the experience and that. But then, yeah, I think the ball broke to me in the in their D and the pass it back to Mickey Christie, who put it in, took it to 3 all. So, yeah, that was a great comeback. Ironically, we end up losing a game in Golden Goal 4 3 which was obviously gutting but for me it was the reason that game's like special to me is that it was one of my first major club tournaments the first time playing against these world class players really and the fact that we were 3-0 down and we managed to get back to 3-0 against I think they went on and won it actually so and to get beat in golden goal which was an absolute terrible rule back in the day absolutely horrific um, hate it, but yeah, that was definitely that's that'll probably just edge over the other two games I've got in my head that were quite special to me. Yeah, that golden goal rule in extra time the idea, the theory behind it was to try and make extra time a bit more exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, which I get, but in practicality, what happens is both teams start defending. Oh, well, we, I don't know in that game, I think both teams just went for it. Oh, really? Also in that game, Mark Ralph 
saved about five corners on the line as well. Like, it was outrageous. But yeah, that golden goal was absolutely horrific. Like, I get trying to make it exciting and that, but it's probably exciting to watch what to play in. Not was not a fan. I think that got scrapped that season. I think it lasted one season and they got rid of it. So what year was this? Oh, now you're asking. Um, what year? Might be 09, maybe? 2009. Potentially. It was a long time ago, I'll tell you that. That's when I was young. <laughs> no grey hairs, no beard. So yeah, a long time ago. So you're saying that this was a knockout round. What was the format to the competition at the time? Is it just one game playoff? What goes on? So I think originally it was a group of three, uh, or yeah, three or four. I think and then like the top one or two went through to the quarterfinals essentially, and that was just a straight up one game, and you're out. Then you move to the next round. So was this the quarterfinals? Yeah. Who had you played before then? Who who were you at? your first round matches against? You know what? I actually can't remember. I actually can't remember who it was. No idea. Also, it wasn't that the great games that I can't remember. As a player, what do you think of the EHL? I love it. Like, I do think they're trying to tweak it a bit too much, so I, I think they changed it. If you won by... Four goals, you got like five points or whatever. If you lost by f- three goals, you got two points or three points. Uh, I think just keep it. You win, you get three points. You draw, you get one. If you lose, you get none. But the whole format and that, I think it's brilliant. Oh, like love it. It's just a pity they've not. I think they kind of spent all their budget in the first couple of years, which is a shame. Because this camera, all the cameras they had, and just the setup, I feel it was much better back when they first started out. But like the concept and idea of it, I think it's, I love it. But they just need to just go back to old school rules with points, <laughs> really. I think they were doing something as well. If you scored a corner or open play, you got like extra goals or something like that. There's been generally in hockey little experiments, little tweaks, and let's try this for this season, let's try that for that season. I think generally it's starting to calm down a little bit now, isn't it? With that, yeah, which I get, I get like you want to mix things up and try and make it more exciting and everything, but there's just like certain things that you just, just leave, it doesn't need tweaking like at all. Like they've done that indoor as well when I went to that stupid rule of four outfield players and the goalie could sub on and off, and it's like. Why just keep it as five? Like five outfields and one goalie. <laughs> but I get I say I get what they try to do, try and make it more exciting and more appealing to play, people who haven't watched or played hockey, but I say there's certain things that they've done and I think they realised was a mistake. Now the European Hockey League, the EHL, is a fantastic showpiece. Yeah. For for club hockey, for European hockey, for hockey in general but it's it's only a small portion of the season and it's only X amount of clubs and only a limited amount of clubs and players who get to experience that 
how can we improve club hockey? How can we promote it more broadly? Yeah, I think in Britain anyway, in general, we need to the government bodies need to help the clubs out more, whether that's helping them fund for pitches or whatever or sponsorship. But I think like most things these days, you need to kind of have the money to improve facilities, coaching, and just to promote it more. I, 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 say I don't know what it's like in Scotland at the moment with promoting games and stuff, but I feel England hockey could do more by the Premiership games. Like they've been promoting the the finals, indoor finals next weekend, like brilliant. But I feel they could do more for the outdoor game and help promote it. But also it comes down to the clubs as well, trying to find that sponsorship and try and stream it. Because I know at, at EG we've we started live streaming our games on YouTube this season. Yeah, we've started live streaming our games, which also is great. It gets out there, and we tried to get players. To commentate on the games, so I've been doing some of the girls' games, which is brilliant. But I just feel like the government bodies and the clubs could collab a bit more and try and get the funding to get that equipment to do live streaming for each clubs because I think that would make such a difference. But I also think we just they just need to get out there a bit more. Maybe it's more active on social media, like promoting, or I just feel like there needs to be more of an effort of doing something. <laughs> I know that sounds stupid, but I don't think there's enough done. I've been watching a few live streams recently. There was the three match test series between Scotland and Ireland in Ireland uh, for indoor hockey. And then there was the, this morning, I was watching Belgium, Scotland ladies, Euro Hockey Championships indoor second division. Yeah. Now it was that European game. They had two cameras on the court. One about halfway line doing the panning left and right, standard, and then one, one for close ups on the bench. Brilliant. Yeah. No commentator. No. And it makes a difference, doesn't it? Oh, massively. Yeah, massively makes a difference. I think it, EG, I think we've got like six cameras, I think we've got. And we're trying to get more. But yeah, we, all, like, we always try to get commentators because, as you say, it makes such a difference. Um, the first time I'd done the commentary, I, I just went up to watch and went, can you jump in and do this because we've not got anyone? I was like, all right, fine. And it, just, it does make a massive difference. But I also feel like if you're going to live stream a game, you need to make that effort to have someone to come to it. Like, don't need to talk all the time. It's just, it makes such a difference. I just don't, personally, I don't see the point in live streaming if you're not going to have anyone commenting because I know I would turn off and I'm a hockey player, I love hockey, but if I'm watching it on the TV or on my laptop, I want someone to talk to what's happening. Now, in the UK, the traditional format is that you have a journalist doing the, the comments, and then you have a pundit, usually a coach or an ex-player or someone like this who's a bit, little bit media savvy, giving expert opinion. For me, I quite like the way the Italians do it is they get a fan yeah. linked with either club and they basically then have an argument during the course of the, of, of, yeah. of the match. And for me, it's, 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 I don't think you learn very much, but it's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> entertaining. Italians arguing, that's, that's unheard of. 
<laughs> who's the best player? So and so scores, and one guy's screaming up and down. Yeah. Like, no, no. It's almost like what they used to do at football, wasn't it? Was it um, like the fan cam when they used to do the two fans commentary on the game? Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be brilliant. But yeah, no, I do feel they need to. If you're going to live stream, you need someone talking. <laughs> I mean, that's how I've done it, and I'm, I talk absolute nonsense on there. <laughs> but it makes a difference just hearing a voice, doesn't it? What I would love is to have you and Tommy Alexander on at the same time. I reckon that'd be quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two Scottish internationals with what should we say? Mild, mild opinions on hockey. You can say that. <laughs> you can say mild. Yeah, I've been quite um, controlled with my opinions on uh, on these podcasts. <laughs> The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Game two. What has been your favourite game of hockey as an international player? Now, can you give us a bit of background to this one, please? Again, this is a tough one. But the one I like sprung to mind was Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games against Wales. The so British Derby. Yeah, uh, British Derby. I think we had we needed to win that game so we could at least finish it in our ranking. And also we played Wales numerous times like in the build up. Always gets a bit, a bit feisty and heated, which is expected. But uh, <laughs> The funny thing about this one is I didn't actually play that much in the game. I took part in the game. I think in the first 10 minutes I got smashed in the thumb. We thought we broke, I broke my thumb. But I actually played 10 minutes in that game. But just to be a part of that was amazing. Again, we were, I think we dominated the game so much, but we went 1-0 down, I think it was. I think it was one now we went down and came to half time. We were in the change room. Everyone's obviously a bit head down, a bit pissed off because we've been controlling the game, not putting our chances away. One nil down, must win the game for us at home against Wales. So everyone's kind of like a bit down, but getting themselves pumped up like we need to, we need to win this. We need to get our finger up really. So I went on and tried to um, play. Someone pushed the ball to me and I tried to stop it and my thumb was absolutely keen and I couldn't hold my stick. So that was me done. But yeah, I think we, I can't even tell you who scored the goals, but we got back to one all. Just the reaction of the fans in the crowd, just everyone up on their feet shouting, cheering. It just gave everyone that extra little bit of oomph that they needed. Even like myself, when I wasn't even playing, I was standing on the bench, like jumping about like an idiot. So we got back to one all, then we went looking for the winner and we just kept creating these chances but not putting them in. Then we finally got it to 2-1 and like the place just erupted. It was, I've not seen anything like it before and it was just, just to be a part of that was amazing. So to put this into context, people who have been to Scotland matches since the coming games, the venue and the, and the available sitting is now 
less than it was during the Cumbria game. So I had a, a temporary stand, which was huge along the far yeah. side, wasn't there? Yeah. You could get more more bodies in to Glasgow yeah. Green for 2014. I think what made it even better was that there's people there who never watched hockey before in their life. They just got tickets because it was a homecoming of games. So they came and watched. And even just seeing those people get behind us as well, kind of like, it was just, I'd say it was just amazing to be a part of. So yeah, we got back to 2-1. I'm pretty sure they took the goalie out and they just went full on attack. But we held off and we ended up winning it, which put us obviously above them in the group. And I think with that win, we end up finishing above our ranking, which is obviously brilliant for us. But yeah. That like as soon as you asked me that question, that was that's the one that came to my head straight away. Just and I, again, I played ten minutes of the game, if that. But I'm still claiming, claiming that one. That is definitely up there. There's still ten minutes more for coming games match than I've ever played. <laughs> still time. There's still time. Derek Forsyth, the coach of the of the Scottish men's team. My granny is Scottish. You can get in contact with me at info at halfcourtpressmagazine.com <laughs> I'll wait for that phone call but yeah now again this is you know I say that's when it came in my head obviously my first game for Scotland was up there that's pretty special and my 100th game for Scotland special but yeah just I think just what that game meant to us and everyone watching as well just I think yeah that tipped over the edge really and to be fair, our, my 100th cap game is probably not a great one for the family. Why, what happened? Um, <laughs> so, my brother got a yellow card in the game, and I gave away a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I say I gave away a penalty. I was on the line at a corner, and the guy flicked it, and it hit me. So, but, yeah. <laughs> but I got interviewed after that game, and literally the first question the guy asked me was, so, you didn't do your, your, your family very well, did you? <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> so, your brother got sent off, you gave away a penalty. Thoughts? <laughs> Put it this way, I don't think um, he can quote what I said to him. <laughs> so, how does club hockey compare to international hockey? In what aspect? <laughs> what are the differences? What are the similarities? Do you have a different style of play? Do you approach the game differently? Personally, I don't... Well, I think you always approach the games differently if you're playing club hockey or national. This is going to sound really bad, but club hockey is just club hockey, where when you're playing national, you represent your country. So it's also a bit more pressure. But in terms of in the game, it all depends who you're playing against, really. Because... Like, for instance, when we I was at Scotland and we played Australia, we we were never going to go out there to attack. We were just going there to defend and keep it as low as possible. But then if we were playing, I don't know, um, Portugal, for instance, we would go out and attack and try to score as many as possible. So it just, and the same with club hockey as well, it just kind of depends who you're playing against. I would say international was probably more more tactical, I would say faster club hockey I would say is more probably more aggressive I would say 
that may just be me, but I think I feel it's more aggressive, like a lot more off the ball instincts than a little bit more um, physical. I would say. Not that I've done any off the ball stuff. Just put it out there. <laughs> that why your brother got sent off that for the end of the game. Yeah, it was actually me, but we look alike, so. <laughs> so it sounds like you're saying that there's a, a lot more technical nuance in the international game, there, and there's a lot more physicality, a lot more sort of in the club game. Is there any other differences at all between the two? <sighs> is it, all is the it, standards are going to be different because international is the best players in that country all playing together. But really. At the end of the day, hockey's hockey. It's a simple game if you do it right. Like I feel people make it overly complicated and it has to be. Like, I say, at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is you're trying to score and you're trying to stop the other team scoring. And you just do that any way you can, really. The Half Court Press is a multi-sports media outlet. You can check out our articles, opinion pieces, and PDF magazines on our website, www.halfcourtpressmagazine.com. So, we're now moving on to game three. What has been your favourite game of hockey as a hockey fan? Hmm. This is probably the hardest one because I hate watching hockey. As bad as it sounds, I hate watching it because I just want to play. And like, if I see someone make a mistake, I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? So this is um, this is really hard, actually. I might need to cheat. I might need to go for two. Oh, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. Kaz oh. Cup will have me because I didn't allow a, a spare one. Oh. oh, this is a tough one. Because one's... <laughs> one's my brother playing and the other one is a very fierce international rivalry right describe both and then we'll, we'll whistle one away well one is at the Olympics and the other one a fan ran on the pitch right let's start with the fan on the pitch what happened there I think actually this is probably going to be it cause, just because I've never seen anything like this before happen. So don't ask a year, can't remember the year, but it was when it was the Champions Trophy. We were in Holland with Scotland in 21, just on like a training camp and to watch the games. So obviously we had a couple of training sessions and we get to go and watch a game. And on this day, I can't remember who the games were, but the last, I want to say it was the last game of the day. India against Pakistan. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I think both of them were like pretty decent at the time, so I was. And more recently, India has kind of gotten away from Pakistan a little bit, but yeah, that that 10 15 years ago, it was was quite close, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like they were like easily top five teams in the world, I would say. So, this is in Holland, remember, we got there. Stands are actually packed with Indian fans and Pakistan fans. And even like just the warm-up, the atmosphere was like absolutely nuts. We're all like 
18 to 21 year old Scottish guys just like sitting there like, oh my God, what is going on here? This is brilliant. Like getting quite excited, joining in with all the chants and shouting and stuff. So the game starts. I have no idea what the score was in this game. Like, absolutely no idea. But to watch a game <laughs> that intensity and like how physical and dirty it was. So <laughs> like, I think on YouTube there's a, a video of India against Pakistan. I think this is like early 90s. They start swinging their sticks at each other. Like, I've seen a couple of matches between the two teams and they like to leave one on each other, don't they? Yeah. So this game's going on and it's like getting physical and getting a little bit heated, shall we say. And I think it's um, India are attacking and all of a sudden, we, like, we're behind the Indian goal at this point. And all of a sudden, we just see this guy, this fan, walk on the pitch. Pakistan fan with a Pakistan flag, just swinging it about, walks up to one of the Indian defenders and just hits him with the flag. But yeah, they also all kicked off and like all the other fans tried to get on the pitch and everything. And also the players kind of kicked off. And just like after that, I can't tell you what happened in the game. But watching it, Amazing to watch is the atmosphere and everything, but also so scary because of what's happening. Like, literally, a fan walked onto the pitch and hit someone. Like, I've never seen it before. So, that for probably all the wrong reasons, that is my favorite game of hockey that I've watched. I would say we spoke a little bit about atmosphere at the Scotland match in Glasgow before, yeah, the games probably like some record attendances in recent times. I lived in Delhi for a little while, for about yeah. eight months, and I, went, I got to see the 2015 Hockey India League finals in yeah. Delhi. It was held at the Major Dylan Chan Stadium in Delhi. Yeah. It was a World Cup venue. And it was the year Barry Middleton and Ashley Jackson won it with Ronchi Rose. Yeah. And it, it was a proper stadium, and the fans, they love their hockey. They don't necessarily have best understanding but they, they they really enjoy the games yeah it's almost like football here it's a really established sport and this wasn't really included in international rivalry yeah i think i can imagine some some of the oh it was like it was unbelievable i don't think i've ever seen anything like it since it was nuts like even if that didn't happen i think still think that would be up there with just because the atmosphere and watching it. Just, but, yeah, a guy walking on the pitch with a Pakistan flag and hitting an Indian player is probably never going to happen ever again. British crowds are comparatively mild compared to the hockey hockey atmospheres in, in Asia, I think. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I think I'd say, well, when we I played there for the Commonwealth Games against India, every time we had the ball, it was silent. Like, you could hear us talking and us shouting. When they had it, you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear the whistle. It was, like, it was funny, but also, like, this is quite intimidating. I think the difference is with, in, like, the Asian countries, they are very passionate, and it shows. Where in Britain, you get a lot of, <laughs> you get a lot of abuse from the, from the spectators. Like, little, like, one-liners and stuff like that. Nothing quite as bad as what like anyone walking on the pitch. What's the best one on a, you've heard on, on a hockey pitch from a fan? Oh, 
Some of it's probably I can't repeat, to be honest with you. It's fine. I can just put on an, an explicit warning on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> One recently, because we've got him, we've got Simon Faulkner and Dan Faulkner both play for us. Yeah. Who are also brothers. And their dad played hockey, who won gold at the Olympics. Yeah, Faulkner Senior was part of the 1988 GB yeah. Korean Olympic team that won gold. Yeah. So, I don't know who I can't remember who it was against, but I think Dan had the ball and someone shouted to him, You're the second best hockey player in your family. And he's like, Yeah, I'll take that. And Sai's so like, Oh, does that mean I'm the worst then? Because obviously their dad won gold. <laughs> like that, but then you get you get a lot of abuse as well. Like you get a lot of shit. Like I used to get a lot of shit being like, oh, you're watching your brother's much better than you and stuff like that. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, he is. It's mainly the boys who play for the twos and have had a few, a few beverages, shall we say. Yeah, it's interesting. But to be honest, some of them you don't actually hear on the pitch. It's only after the game you get told about it. Like, oh, didn't hear that. But yeah, I would say the British are quite notorious of just giving you a lot of shit, really. Where like the Indians and Pakistanis will literally run on the pitch and hit you. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the, the Olympic story? What was second best? So that was watching my brother play in the Athens Olympics. I will say wasn't there, but just watched on the TV and watched him score his first Olympic goal. That yeah, that's up there as well, just because it's it's my brother playing the Olympics and scoring a goal. It's pretty. Pretty special to watch. So now Stock was part of the GB 2004 Olympic Yeah. yeah. No idea who he scored against or whatever or what the score was, but just I can I, I remember the goal and memory celebration and everything. Just not with the scores or who it was against. It must be great seeing your family like that as well. It's um Yeah. I think I made it even more special, like just because obviously he's kind of like my hockey mentor, shall we say. And then I think that's what kind of drove me on about seeing him make it and be there. I was like, actually, that's why I want to do. Well, I was like, I didn't make it for whatever reasons. But um, might be for another, another episode. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, just to see him involved in the programme and stuff. Then he went, I think he was um, a travel reserve for Beijing, which... Not just me, but I think a few other people have kind of said that was a bit of a, a joke that he didn't actually get selected in the 16. Which sh- sounds quite familiar that a Scottish person not being selected for the 16 in the Olympics. So yeah, so that's not a new thing that's been going on. It's been going on for a while, shall we say. What tournaments do you like watching? And are they the same tournaments that you like to play in? Oh, You know what? This is complete. Nothing to do with hockey. I like watching the Winter Olympics. I love watching the Winter Olympics. Cause I like I love ice hockey. Ice hockey is like it's something that I was I want to play when I was younger, and obviously didn't. For a bit of context, Dundee, the, your hometown, has one of the top ice hockey teams in Britain. Yeah, well, they used to have two. So back in the seventies and eighties, there was the Dundee Rockets, which turned into Dundee Tigers. They were like. The Rockets were probably the best team in Britain at one point. And um, Dundee's quite big on ice hockey as well. Like my, my brother played for years. 
almost went semi-professional. So yeah, so Winter Olympics is probably the tournament I love to watch. But if you're talking about hockey, probably the Olympics. Then obviously to play and it was Commonwealth Games because never got a chance to go to a World Cup, which is unfortunate. The Commonwealth Games are, would you say that they are the second biggest multi-sports festival? I think the Asian Games are quite big as well, aren't they? Yeah. I would say the Commonwealth Games are probably second biggest. Multi-sports festival. Yeah. Also the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games and the Asian Games. But then people would say like the Pan Am Games and all that would probably second best those are from the, those countries and that I suppose the Asian Games and the Pan Am Games are both multi-sports festivals as well similar to the Olympics yeah where the hockey tournament is also the continental championship yeah that the Commonwealth Games is a cross-continental event you got teams from Africa from, from Asia from North America yeah Caribbean, Australia, and New Zealand as well. I would say it'd be the Olympics and Comic Games, really. I think the Comic Games is really big for, for me personally, just because it's probably like one of the only tournaments that Scotland gets to compete in, like a big tournament. Because we don't get to go to the Olympics or the Pro League or whatever it is these days. What do you think about the Pro League? I hate it. I think it's a waste. I generally do, I think. Do we need an international tournament? And it normally is an, another international tournament that some countries don't get to compete in, but it takes players away from the domestic league and can't play in the domestic league, so then domestic leagues become weaker. I don't see the point in it. I mean, if Canada, who only went joined a couple of weeks ago, I've already put it out. I don't understand the need of it, to be honest with you. I just think it takes away from... Yeah, so it, it just takes away the all the international players from the domestic league and it just weakens that because the second half of the outdoor down in England, I don't think any of the international can play the second half of the season because they're away with the Pro League. And this, the English league, that like we've split it bottom in half and it's the best of the best, but it's not all your best players away playing the Pro League I think they should just get rid of the Pro League to be honest with you. Just... I had a chat with during the player profile interview with Katarina Lechuna for this show we had a similar chat and I put it to her because she plays for a European B division team second division yeah. international team Czech Republic but she yeah. played for some very very good teams in Central Europe she played for East Greenstead's ladies team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she's a very, very good club player, but she it happens to be one of the better players from the Czech Republic, which is a decent international team, but not an A-grade international team. Yeah. What I suggested to her was, what if we spent the money, or what if the money spent on the Pro League was spent on a hockey club equivalent, a club competition equivalent, where international standard players who don't necessarily get to play in the pro league can still play at a very very high level get some money for that and then potentially take that back to their national teams who don't necessarily get that exposure yeah 
they can then feed that into the younger players coming through. They can sh- then share that and hopefully raise the standard of the other less experienced nations or the less yeah. funded nations. Less they, could just, nations. they could just use that money from Pro League and give it to the other countries or clubs <laughs> instead of paying stupid amount of money to go to New Zealand to play two games of hockey in 10 days. A centralised programme with the best teams from Europe, the best teams from yeah. Asia. Yeah, I I, say, I just think if you get rid of the Pro League, I don't... It just... It takes away from the domestic league, which makes it weaker, and it's just... It doesn't... Yeah. Just, I don't like it. <laughs> The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. As we begin to wind up, we've spoken about three games. Your first game was an EHL match for Kelburn, the European yeah. Hockey League match for your one of your club teams in Scotland. One of three. <laughs> your second favourite match was a British Ding Dong affair, a bit of a derby match between Scotland and Wales at the 2014 Glasgow Commonwealth Games. Yeah. And your third favourite match was a bit of a Beano out on tour with the Scottish youth teams where you got to see an Indian-Pakistan champions trophy match. Yeah. With a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah. If you could only pick one of these matches, what would it be? Uh, Probably Scotland-Wales. Just because it meant so much to the players and to the fans and just the atmosphere. I would say, yeah. You know, I only played 10 minutes. That's probably why we won. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think just to come back from 1-0 down and to win that game at home, our come off games, not many countries can do that. And to be part of that is it was quite special. I'm quite surprised I didn't pick any indoor games. So am I. So am I. There was one up there, though. Which one? Our semi-final against Redden, where we were 2-1 down with like five minutes to go and we ended up winning 3-2. Who's we? East Grinstead. Now, Ross, I have made you the head of the FIH, the International Federation of Hockey. Yep. If you could change one thing about hockey, what would it be? No hockey fives. No more hockey. <laughs> no more hockey flags. No hockey fives. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, no hockey fives. Yep, get rid of that. Easy. Done. I'm going to go out and say that you are one of the foremost indoor hockey players within Britain right now, being that you're playing for one of the most prestigious indoor hockey sides in the UK, at least in England. You yep. came up through one of the most prestigious indoor hockey teams in Scotland, Dundee Wanderers. I think it's fair to say that you know a bit about shorthand versions of hockey. I would like to think so, yeah. <laughs> Be worried if I didn't, but yeah, no, definitely. What is the main difference between hockey fives and, and six-a-sides hockey? Well, indoor hockey six-a-side, isn't it? Yeah. Indoor is just so much better, quicker and more technical than hockey fives. Hockey fives, you can shoot from anywhere. Like, I've done that under 10s. Where indoor, you, you have to think about the game a bit more, more tactical. It's just, I say, it's just mo- so much more fun, I would say. I just, hockey five is a complete waste of time, in my opinion. Terrible idea if you ever came up with it. Episode two of this series is with the newly capped Scotland indoor goalkeeper, Greg McKenzie, who is. A national, a Scottish national indoor champion with Inverleaf Indoor, and the assistant coach of Inverleaf Ladies Indoor Team. And we were trying to pick the bones of this same question, yeah. or, or, or a similar question. And I put to him that the extra player, that one extra player, helps with a passing aesthetic. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was. With indoor, you very rarely see someone who will dribble past the whole team and score. It's all about passing around players. And even the goal, like, most of the goals indoor are empty goals because you pass it out of player where with the hockey fives, it's like, as I say, I'm pretty sure you can shoot from anywhere. It's like, one, pretty dangerous. And two, it's not... There's not really much tactics about it then, is there, really? You just kind of get the ball, and if you're in trouble, you just shoot. Because yeah. like, I'm part of the coaching staff of the EG, East Grinstead Indoor as well, the men's. We always talk about passing, always about passing, passing the ball. Your first instinct should be passing. And it just makes a massive difference. Last question. Yeah. Why are you a hockey fan? What makes the game special I think it's just exciting anything can happen underdogs could win as well I think because it's amateur sport as well like everyone's got their own stuff going on and work and whatnot it's just I would say it's probably the most even field sport there is in some aspects but yeah I, I've it's just something I've always done since I was three years old so it's I enjoy playing it. Um, I'm okay at playing it, I would say. Um, I'll say you're above average, mate. You've been to a couple of games. Uh, you've played the European Hockey League quarterfinal. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just I just think it's brilliant. It's exciting. It's a way to meet people and friends. Like, yeah. Standard answers, really, but yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I'm quite surprised you've not asked another question. What's that? What should I have asked? I, I am about the old uh, GB stuff. 
about the uh, Danny Kerry leaving and stuff like that, and who's going to be next in line. Go on then, you've you set that one up then. What is your right. opinion on the GB selection process? Well, I just think it's, how can, <laughs> how can someone who, so Danny Kerry was also in charge, there was trials going on, he pretty much selected people who was going to get contracts and be involved in the GB programme, but then like a week legs left. So I'm still all these players who had trials and now are they going to get another trial or not? How is that fair? Like someone who probably done well at the trials and because Danny didn't like them as a hockey player for whatever reason, didn't select them, but now he's left. There's a similar chat with the Dutch ladies team right now as yeah. well, where as Nan has just left when people yeah. have been given contracts. I so think there's a lot more ongoing there though. Yeah, we've, we've mentioned some stuff, but politely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand that at all. Like, surely they knew, like, GB Hockey had to know he was going to leave or they were going to ask him to leave or what, however happened when these trials were going on. Because, like, whoever comes next coach might be like, well, I don't rate that player. I prefer this one. But he's got a contract. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, hockey's a bit different, isn't it? It's as in the expectation in hockey is a bit different. Was, I've coached, I've coached a bit of amateur level, yeah, like club hockey, like reserve team, local league sort of stuff, and it's you don't have the same mindset of picking your team and moulding your team. You you coach what you're given, yeah, yeah right. and I think there's still an element of that even at the elite level, yeah, which is yeah, which I get, but. I just say how I don't understand how they could go through the whole process of going pure trials and then the head coach leaving like a week or whatever's later. I was like, oh, well done. Cheers. Thanks. And I have no idea who they're going to bring in as the next coach. Because it's not, I don't think it's an attractive job. I don't think there'd be many people attracted to it. What has GB men done in the last 10 years, really? 2009 European Champions. Yeah, but that was England, though, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So, like, not really done anything for a while. And Got a couple of fourth places as a World yeah. Cup in the Olympic Games. I just don't see anyone, like, any big names being attracted to it, to be honest. I think they might struggle to find someone that they want what I would love to see, I know he's retired as a coach recently, but Chris Faust, the German-born former Austrian women's yeah. coach, he's a East Grinstead indoor coach for a while, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. Chris, come back. We love you. Come and coach yeah. GB. I'll be your assistant. <laughs> I'm sure that would go down well. Ross Dutch of East Grinstead and formerly the Scottish National Men's Team. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. Look forward to being on again, no doubt. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.